Is the Mormon religion a prophet or a non-prophet organization? We'll talk about that next on Polygamy. What love is this? Former polygamist wife from the AUB Polygamy Group, Karen Bradshaw, is with us this time. She's our guest co-host. She's been with us before, uh, several shows that you've done with us. And thank you for coming again and sharing in this important topic. My pleasure. Something that we <laughs> both grew up in, uh, learning about and experiencing yeah, and, and right. learning when we were growing up in different polygamy groups. So we thought we'd share with our viewers yeah, what we learned. A lot of experiences that are similar. <laughs> and, and find out what truth is and what it is not. Uh, one of the predominant yet unbiblical claims of all of Mormonism is that God has given them living prophets through whom he speaks to the people. AUB has a living prophet. Kingston Group has a living prophet. FLDS and all the others mm -hmm. and the LDS Church too. Now, the LDS Church has warned their members to pay attention to what the living prophet says and not to bring up what a dead prophet has said and so to pit the two prophets together. <laughs> and that statement all by itself raises about 150 or so flags, red flags. Polygamy yeah. groups operate on the same premise. Uh, the living prophet has the final say in anything and everything. He alone speaks for God and to disobey the living prophet is to disobey God. That's what we were taught. Yeah. So our opening question is about a person. It's not about money. Is the Mormon religion a living prophet or a non-living prophet organization? Now, we, of course, go to biblical authority regarding a modern-day prophet. Has God given mankind a living prophet to lead and guide his people? Well, the answer is a simple yes and no. Yes, there is a living prophet one who has the full and complete omnipotent power of God behind him, whose purposes are never thwarted, and because he knows everything, he never learns anything new, and because he has defeated death, he is alive forevermore. Therefore, no one can or ever will take his place. He is the living prophet. His name is Jesus Christ. And no, there is not a Mormon or polygamous prophet with the power of God behind him who speaks to the people for God, no one can replace Jesus because he lives forever. Of course, the Bible validates that statement about a living prophet in 1 Timothy 2.5 that says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. It doesn't say the living prophet of the Mormon religion or the polygamy group. It's Jesus. I, I love that. That was that hit me so hard when I read that, when I just became a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's you amazing. Have, you don't have to it's, listen to anyone but Jesus. Just Jesus. He's the one. Mm -hmm. And he's, yeah, he's no prophet in our way. And, and that means that there's no human authority that has the, the authority or the power to mediate between you and God. Yeah. Uh, except Jesus alone. Only he can do that. Only he speaks to us with God's power and authority. We have another verse in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. All right. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Now, that's another really good one because it says in times past. So there's two different time frames here. 
the past, that'd be the Old Testament times, he spoke to us through prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son. So there Jesus doesn't Christ. need to be any prophets. Not, not the way the Mormon <laughs> church has brought out and the, and the polygamy groups have used prophets. No. And of course, Jesus, one of Jesus' title is the Word of God. He is the Word of God. We also have one in John 1, 3 that backs that up. Yes. It, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And then verse 14. And, 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of, only, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word was Jesus Christ made flesh. The Word was made flesh is Jesus, full of grace and truth. He alone is our mediator between the individual and God, and He speaks through His Word, who is Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, and otherwise He guides us. He, he will never, ever, ever contradict something that has already been recorded in the Bible. And when anyone, and we can vouch for this, when anyone transfers their loyalty and trust from a human prophet to Jesus Christ, you will be amazed at the changes that will take place in every aspect of your life. And they're good changes too. They're nothing to be feared. So the greatest and most damning myth of the Mormonism, uh, of Mormonism, including the polygamists, is that a mere man, a sinful creature, a sinner, is their exclusive mouthpiece for God. Now, the bottom line is that both LDS and fundamentalists are non-profit religions because they have rejected Jesus Christ alone as their living prophet. They use his name, but they do not believe what he taught. Now, the Apostle Paul warned against people thinking more, uh, uh, more mere men uh, above what God has allowed for according to his word. In 1 Corinthians 4, 6, it says... And these things, brothers, <clears throat> I have in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, so that no one of you may be puffed up against one another. Don't think of anybody above what God has written. And that's, he's talking about the scriptures. I love that one. That's amazing. No man is to go beyond what God has written. And are the quotes we use in some of these shows proves that that's exactly what Mormonism has done. And God has written exactly. that Jesus alone holds the position of living prophet in these last days. That he's our only high priest and he's the king of all kings. Now, obviously, you can think what you want, but God has given us a piece of his own mind and we should pay attention to it. And that's what he said. Now, we want to discuss several other myths uh, that Mormon fundamentalists hang on to. And some of them, the LDS people may also embrace as well. We do know that they believe and teach what Brigham Young said in this next quote. And these are myths that we were raised in Mormon fundamentalist group. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the Book of Mormon came to Ephraim. For Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite, and the Book of Mormon was revealed to him. And while he lived, he made it his business to search for those who believe the gospel. Okay, so the myth is that Ephraim, one of the old tribes of Old Testament Israel, is the tribe from which most Mormons 
are descended. Now, DNA, of course, can accurately determine our ancestry. And if every Mormon and polygamist did a DNA analysis, most of all of them would discover they're not <laughs> from the Old Testament tribe of Ephraim. So uh, you were taught that you were from Ephraim and you had different teachings on this, but yeah. didn't some teach that that God would convert the blood of the of the convert into the blood of Ephraim? Yeah, yeah. They said that God would change their blood into Ephraim, even if they were Gentile. So mm -hmm. I don't know why he can't do that for the Canaanites, too. I mean... <laughs> okay, um, that God changes the, the blood type. Yeah, yeah. And the Lamanites. <laughs> anyway. Well, we have a quote from an LDS prophet and president about that. Yes, it says, It is clearly shown from these blessings and the interpretation in, and from the interpretations given to the scriptures that the brethren from the beginning of the church in these last days believe and taught that lineage is a matter of blood relation. However, if a person should join the church and he is a pure Gentile, the prophet has said the old blood would be purged out and he would be grafted into the house of Israel. In such a case, the individual could be properly assigned to one of the tribes, pro probably to Ephraim. Joseph <laughs> so, Fielding Smith. So that's why you, probably why you grew up believing that, learning that, was because that's what they said. Yeah. That God would purge the old blood and give you new Ephraim blood. Now, according to the Bible, a Gentile is everyone who is not of Israel. Everybody on the planet is a Gentile except Israel, according to the Bible. Mormonism is not Israel. DNA, so we're all Gentiles, wow. by the way. <laughs> DNA, of course, is the best evidence to confirm that most LDS and polygamists are Gentiles. And, and God is not out there busy purging blood, Gentile blood out of converts and changing it into the blood of the tribe of Ephraim. And DNA studies of the ancestry of the Native Americans produces crucial questions about the Book of Mormon as well as the historical, archaeological, and the theological legitimacy of the Mormon faith. Now, you had a priesthood blessing that put you in the lineage of Benjamin? From the church, yeah, when I was 16. When you were, L when you were LDS? I got mm -hmm. baptized in the church and... Now, and they gave specify me a blessing. the church. The, the LDS church. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I was given a patriarchal blessing, and they said I was from Benjamin. Okay. But, but when I ended up going back to the polygamist group when, and getting married there when I was 23, they told me I was from Ephraim. So, so the LDS says you're Benjamin. Mm -hmm. AUB says yeah. you're from Ephraim. Yeah, so I don't know. So they can't both be right. I think I'm Jen. <laughs> oh, you're Gentile. Unless you're Jewish, you're Gentile. <laughs> we all are. You know, that's the way God separated it by words, just separated the people yeah. from him. But we have another quote from um, Joseph Fielding Smith. And of course, know that false information proves a person is a false prophet. Judge that with this next quote. The Lamanites are of Israel. Lehi was a descendant of Manasseh. We are informed that Ishmael, whose children joined the family of Lehi, was of Ephraim. In this way, children belonging to these two tribes were planted in America. Joseph Fielding Smith. Now, that's not true. That just plain is not true. Ishmael was not of Ephraim. 
Ishmael was Ephraim's great, great uncle. <laughs> Ishmael was sent away from the people and from the children of promise. And you can read your book of Genesis and get all this information. Now, Mormon apostle Franklin D. Richards uh, in, about this adds that Ishmael's lineage is not in the Book of Mormon because it was in the 116 pages that was lost by Martin Harris, mm-hmm. and and so they were were unable to get Ishmael's heritage. But that's ridiculous for people who read the Bible because you can find Ishmael's lineage there, <laughs> and this is what God told Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, in Genesis 16. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your afflictions. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of the presence of all his brethren. So he's not of the lineage of Ephraim. He's Ephraim's great-great-uncle. And here is the text from the Bible that voids any need for Book of Mormon. Back up in Genesis 25, 12, it says, Now this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. That's where his lineage is. We don't need the 116 pages. <laughs> Ishmael is Hagar and Abraham's son. He cannot be from the lineage of Ephraim as the Mormon prophet said. And God told Hagar he would be a wild man and would be against everyone. Why associate with that? And besides all that, both Genesis and Galatians explain that Ishmael was sent away because Isaac was the child of promise, not Ishmael. Now, in checking their claims out for ourselves, we discover the Mormon leadership really knows pitifully little about what they teach about the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> they teach things from the Bible that's not there, mm-hmm. like this thing with Ishmael. And DNA evidence proves it's a myth that Ephraim is the tribe represented by the Mormons. Religion doesn't change our DNA. The Encyclopedia of Mormonism addresses this idea. In the great majority of cases, Latter-day Saints are of the tribe of Ephraim the tribe to which has been committed the leadership of the Latter-day work. Whether this lineage is of blood or adoption, it does not matter. Okay, and that's something we'll talk about in just a minute. But you were taught that Ephraim was favored by the Lord. What? Yes, yeah. I was taught that we were from Ephraim, and he was, he was favored of the Lord. He got the, the double blessing. Um, you know, he got the birthright. Um, it was a good thing to be of Ephraim, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I was proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but uh, now the Kingstons kind of went a little uh, the other way. I don't recall that we were told we were from the tribe of Ephraim, but we were taught that the Kingstons were the blood of Jesus, who was a polygamist, oh, and yeah, we the were Kingstons told that too. <laughs> were, but, but he couldn't have been, okay, that's what I was getting at, because the Kingstons were a direct line, that's why they have royal blood, but you were told you were from the blood of Jesus, and you were also from Benjamin, and you were also from Ephraim, okay? Now, Jesus is from Judah. He couldn't have been from Ephraim. Yeah, it's confusing. So you couldn't have had both. Now, you all would have been from Jacob, Yeah, because yeah. Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes, mm-hmm. um, but you couldn't have been 
from the specific man that they are attributing lineage to. It's just myth. Yeah, it's a myth. It's myth it's that they're making up. And that's what we're talking about here is myth. <laughs> yeah. Because truth will all come together and connect the dots. But you can't when you're using myth and made-up stories, embellished stories. Now, you said that you were adopted. We quoted where you're either the lineage of Ephraim by adoption or by blood. Now, um, the biblical adoption, it does talk about that, as that's when we're adopted into God's family, when we become born again. Uh, And Gentile believers are grafted into Israel's root, not into Ephraim. You can read about that in Romans chapter 11. In fact, claiming to be of Ephraim is really not a very good idea because we read that God rejected Ephraim. Some good verses. Now, the Bible is a good resource for historical and genealogical Israel. So we go there for information on Ephraim. In Judges chapter 17, we find the story of Micah, an Ephraimite, who had no problem worshiping idols and appointing whoever he wanted as his personal priest. In other words, he fell into deadly apostasy and idolatry. Let's quote the passage. All right. So the man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household of idols and household idols. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Unfortunately, that's what too many people do in our culture. They just do what's right in their own eyes. But he consecrated one of his sons from Ephraim to be priest. But God gave the priesthood authority exclusively to Aaron's sons and to no one else. No one else was allowed to serve as priest, but Micah made his son a priest. Consecrating someone, he went through a consecration ritual, but consecrating someone for something that God has forbidden doesn't make it okay just because you went through a ritual of consecration. Micah later appointed a young Levite to become his personal priest, but only the sons of Aaron were eligible to be priests, not Levites in general. And we read the history of the tribe of Ephraim's earliest idolatry, which the tribe of Dan also adopted. Here's an example. Psalm 78, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The children of Ephraim being armed and carried bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So Ephraim's not the best model for faithfulness. (laughs) Nope. And this next quote should cause everyone in Mormonism to check out the myths they believe. Psalm 78 says, verses 67 and 68 says, God also rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. Now there's one that may should make them sit back a little bit and wonder why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many, many verses that describe how Ephraim became rebellious, unclean, idolatrous, sleeping or steeped in apostasy. And we want to share just a few more of those passages. Hopefully you'll get the point by sharing these passages. Okay. So Jeremiah seven fifteen and 16. And I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brethren the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or pray prayer for them, nor make intercession for me. 
or to me, for I will not hear you. God was not happy with Ephraim, was he? Not, not, not from these verses. Now, we yeah. have some from Hosea, too. Uh, Hosea 5.11 says, Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked by human precept. Uh, and Hosea 7.11 says, Ephraim is like a silly dove without sense. And verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 16, Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. And you have one from Hosea 11. Ephraim has encircled me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God, even with the Holy One who is faithful. So this is just a small sample of the history of Old Testament Ephraim. Um, and so we wonder why Joseph... Smith chose Ephraim to be the, the, this tribe that is supposed to be so special in Mormonism. Now, we realize that God forgives sin, uh, and anyone, even a whole tribe, <laughs> that will truly repent, which means turn and go God's way instead of their own. But for Mormonism to pick the tribe of Ephraim as an ancestry yeah. to be proud of only shows they do not know biblical history. God rejected Ephraim. Okay. Yeah. They're teaching that the stick of Joseph mentioned in Ezekiel is also a myth. They claim that the Book of Mormon is the record belonging to Ephraim. That's what the Book of Mormon is supposed to be. Yeah, now, that just shocked me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the fair, the, the, from FAIR, the LDS Apologetics Organization, we read what they have to say about that. Hosea eleven twelve, Is that the one? No, we did that in the Book of Mormon. The stick of Ephraim. I'm sorry. The Book of Mormon is as much the stick of Ephraim. It's after Hosea 11, 12. It's after okay. that. So the Book of Mormon is as much the stick of Ephraim as it is of Manasseh, because both Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph. The record of Joseph is now in the hands of Ephraim, so far as the fulfillment of the prophecy is concerned. It becomes the record of Ephraim, for the Latter-day Saints are in the main of Ephraim. Okay, so, so there you go. They're just continuing to propagate this same myth over and over again through the generations of those in Mormonism. Um, so um, do you have any comments about your growing up in the AUB, hearing any of these things of your own experience and what you thought, how you reacted when you learned differently? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I did have a thought about how they'd always take the Bible and say it was inspiration, but there was they, they wouldn't show evidence or fact. So we, but then they also said that you can't trust the Bible. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of confusion mm -hmm. with the Bible. Mm -hmm. So you just didn't read it. And, and, and a question I have too is they carry their Bible around, at least the LDS people have the quad, and I, most polygamy groups do have also have the yes. quad, mm -hmm. which means the Bible is part of their scriptures that they carry around. And if they can't trust the Bible, why are they carrying it around with them? Something they can't trust. Why do they quote That's from a, a book point. they can't trust? <laughs> that right there is questionable, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, um, sure. Of course, the claims of Mormonism are without historical backup, which what we prove very frequently on this show. Now, part of this myth 
um, is that the Book of Mormon is prophesied particularly in the book of Ezekiel, but also in Isaiah, which we've discussed in the past, so we're not going to linger long again on these passages. But the, in the interest of biblical truth as opposed to Mormon myth, we want to discuss a couple of points with the reminder that almost all Mormon polygamists and, and uh, embrace these myths along with general Mormonism, but they have embellished uh, some of these myths to benefit their own polygamy group. They teach the stick of Joseph and the stick of Ephraim is the Book of Mormon, but it's not, and the context clearly explains that what it does represent. All you have to do is just read a few more verses from that passage. Uh, besides that, the Bible is the talk is the story of Jesus and God's salvation is not about Book of Mormon or Joseph Smith. And they sadly ignore biblical history. Jo Joseph Fielding Smith also said this. President Young declared that Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. This is true. Joseph Smith, father of the prophet, received the birth, birthright in Israel, which he inherited through his father's fathers back to Ephraim and Joseph and Jacob to Abraham. For that reason, the patriarchal priesthood was conferred upon him with the commandment that it should be handed down from father to son. Okay, so that can't be true. That absolutely cannot be true when compared with the Bible for the priesthood. Lineage to the priesthood is, is very clearly uh, detailed by God, and it was not conferred on anyone from Ephraim, only the sons of Aaron. So he lied. Yeah. Uh, but those who tried to usurp priesthood activities suffered severe judgment, sometimes instant death at the hands of God. Read Numbers 3.10. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. That's what God thought of somebody who was not from Aaron's sons wow. about trying to be a priest for him. They need People need That's to be careful. Amazing. It is. How, how off the track they've gone. Gone way off the, way off the rails, yes. Uh, and they need to be careful what they believe because there are a lot of myths out there. And the next one is one I learned from the cradle, as did most polygamists, including Karen, and that is the story of the city of Enoch. Genesis tells us about two men named Enoch. One was the firstborn son of Cain in Genesis 4.17, and the other was the father of Methuselah in Genesis 5.19, and these are two different Enochs. Cain's son Enoch was Adam's grandson, and the other Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam. Now, there was a city named Enoch. It was an industrious city, but it is never referred to as a righteous city, and it wasn't built by a righteous man. It was built by Cain. Genesis tells us that Cain built the city of Enoch and named it after his son. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. So there's how the city of Enoch came, right? Right there, very yeah. clear. And this city is not mentioned anywhere else in all of the Bible. Nothing else is recorded about Cain's city of Enoch except what we read in Genesis chapter 4. And it was not righteous, and it was not translated away from the earth. God warns us not to go beyond what is written. Now, we're out of time, but we're going to finish up next time in part two, discussing the myth of the city of Enoch and other myths as well. So... 
very interesting to find out everything we learned growing up isn't true at all. You know, I know. It's, it's very interesting. So we'll see you when we do part two. Thanks, okay. Karen. Thanks you very much. You know, someone once said, there's no such thing as your truth. There is the truth and then there's your opinion. Now, God really doesn't care about our opinions. He loves truth and his, he has revealed all the truth we need to know him and to know about him and to be with him throughout eternity. And that truth can be found only in his word. That's how he speaks to us. We communicate using words and God's word is recorded in the Bible. And he has made promises that cannot be broken because God is not a liar. And one of his promises in his words is that his word would never fail, that it would endure forever. And believing God in what he said is the only way God will ever credit righteousness to anyone. Just read Genesis 15, 6. It was the serpent who first threw doubt on trusting God's word. It's not wise to believe the serpent instead of believing God. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.